If you are like me and know that free enterprise is the greatest opportunity in the world, but you also see there are huge issues starting to arise, like why is mentorship decreasing in popularity? Why do entrepreneurs like us who love to succeed see people fail at the top and never leave true significance? And how do people like us make a lasting impact on the world? And is it possible for enough entrepreneurial leaders together to make a real difference? These are the blaring questions, and this podcast is the answer. Journey with me, your host, Christian. Together, we will challenge the status quo and conquer our legacies. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. My name is Christian D. Evans, your host. And ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, blessed and very excited to be having this next guest on. We're going to be talking a lot about fear and really diving in and just hearing her story. And I just want to share with you, she grew up in the school of hard knocks and witnessed firsthand many of the conditions that sabotage a person's ability, ability to succeed. This experience helped her enormously in connecting with clients and audiences around the world. In hundreds of conversations that she has had over the years, she has found a common thread, the fear of taking the next step. So 10 years ago, she wrote and published The Fearless Factor to help many people who have struggled like she has. Then as she has coached and worked with many, many company leaders and individuals, she has discovered there was more to the story about fear influencing success. Being fearless at work and being the most effective leader takes developing strong, soft skills like trust and communication. Many skilled professionals let the fear of being seen as a fraud to stop their own development. They need help getting past self-imposed barriers and beliefs and learning to be better. That's why she's returned to her fear work and the fearless factor at work. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jacqueline Wales. Thank you so much for uh, joining us, Jacqueline. How are you doing today, Jacqueline? I'm doing great. And what a fabulous introduction. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I'm very blessed to have you on, uh, obviously, just to hear your experience, you know, ex- uh, expertise and experience and obviously where you're going, how you're making an impact in so many people's lives. But, you know, real quick, if you could just touch touch base on, you know, where you were, what allowed you to overcome this, really develop this and where what's that ultimate goal look like for you, Jacqueline? Well, that's a that's a big question. And, you know, my journey started in childhood where fear was really critical um, because my father was an alcoholic. He was also violent and it was poverty. So there was a whole slew of stuff that got thrown in and into the pot very early on. I also had a, a very uh, high level disabled brother to um, kind of put into the mix as well. So the dynamics in the family weren't brilliant. And, you know, I left home by the age of 16 because uh, I couldn't wait to be gone, frankly. Uh, and then proceeded to make a lot of my own mistakes along the way. Um, a lot of drug and alcohol abuse, or, you know, children that I wasn't ready for and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, eventually I got to a place probably in my mid thirties where I thought, you really need to get your act together, kid, because if you don't, these children that you brought into the world, and I was about to bring a third one into the world, uh, are really going to suffer because of you and because of the history and because we tend to drag generations of garbage with us. And so how do you break that particular model? How do you really create something different in your life? And so I started the work in my mid thirties and, and, you know, I'm very transparent about my age. I'm coming up on the age of 70 at this point in time. And I can tell you that between 35 and now I have learned a huge amount about what it takes to really shift the demons that run your life. Um, And for me, it was lack of confidence, not feeling competent, 
letting other people make decisions for me, losing opportunities and making a whole bunch of mistakes that I could have absolutely done without if I had felt better about who I was. So I came to this piece after writing books, making music, traveling the world, raising my kids overseas, living on three continents. Uh, I came to this piece about coaching others and helping women specifically understand where they get in their own way and how they can overcome the fear that creates, you know, these barriers. And, and I like to say, you know, fear matters to our success because it's either a driver or a barricade. And so for me, I had a lot of barricades and I had to break those barricades down. Uh, and it wasn't easy. It was hard work. And I, you know, I'm here to say I learned a lot. And now I share that learning with all the people that I've worked with over the years and in the books that I write. And as I go forward into the future, I want to see more women, senior women at leadership, uh, you know, high level leadership levels, because frankly, we need more women's visibility. We need more women in the workplace who are prepared to take a stand and take more responsibility for those senior roles, because frankly, and present company accepted, men have really up the world and we got to change it. We got to change it. And we know that women are far more collaborative. We know that women are far more thoughtful and caring on a lot of levels. So let's see more women take the helm. But there's a lot of transformation needed along the way in order to make that happen. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And thanks so much for sharing that. And let's kind of dive back into kind of your, your story a little bit, you know, obviously, specifically, when when the crap was hitting the fan, basically, uh, when everything and obviously, Jacqueline, it sounded like to me, you took extreme ownership, you took responsibility. But, you know, what did that feel like? And at what point did you say, okay, I, I have to take responsibility, because it sucks sometimes, because you realize, where I'm at right now is because of me, right? But also that allows you to have the freedom to be able to make decisions and choose to be something different. So at that point, when you had a, a third third kid on the way, um, what what allowed you to really switch that? And then as well as what what did that look like a little bit uh, on, a, on a you know year to year basis and a consistent basis to help you get out of that that crap? Well, you know, like in any kind of transformational journey, it's, it is, uh, you know, it's a increments, if you like, you know, and when I got to the third kid, I was looking at the fact that I'd given my first one up for adoption after I'd had her for three months and realized that I couldn't do this. Like I really was not cut out to be a single parent. And then the second one was I got married and I had another one and I left him with his father when he was three and a half and I moved from London to San Francisco. And so here I am at, you know, mid thirties, having really left a kind of trail behind me and I'm pregnant again for the third time, but this time I've got somebody who really matters in my life, who really wants to see me succeed. In fact, I like to say he saw me before I saw myself. It was very simple. And I knew that if I wanted this kid that I was currently carrying to really have a decent life, it would be a case of she would leave me before I left her, which means she would go to college. And I had to do the work. So at the time I said this, I was in therapy. First time in my life I'd been in therapy. And since then, uh, you know, I've done a tremendous amount of therapy. I mean, I went to a meeting one time for children of alcoholics. And I was handed a sheet of 14 behaviors of children of alcoholics. And I checked off 12 of them. And I went, I think I need to do some work here. So, you know, that became a driver for me too. And then I discovered that I actually had a talent for writing, which is something I'd always wanted to do since I was a kid and took some classes at UCLA and 
found out I was actually pretty good at it. And yeah. uh, then I started to, to make some music because I realized I had wanted to be a singer and I hadn't allowed myself to do that either. And so eventually I went on to become a cantor for synagogues in Amsterdam and, and Paris for a few years uh, and, you know, took up martial arts in my 40s, which was a good thing for me, too, and got a black belt in karate on my 49th birthday. Nice. So the pieces that I'm giving you right now are just simply the steps along the way that continue to create ownership, because that's really what it's all about. How do you take ownership of who you are? How do you allow yourself to be the bright shining star that you are rather than the person that someone else thinks you should be or the, the thinking in your head about what someone else thinks you should be? My father told me for years I would never amount to anything. Boy, was he wrong. And as I'm standing in front of a room full of FBI agents at one point, point talking about the fearless factor, I look up at the ceiling and I go, so what do you think now, Dad? Duh. <laughs> You know, so there, there's a piece here, but you have to do the work. You know, people want magic bullets. I get coaching clients coming to me all the time going, how can you fix me? Well, there's nothing to fix. There's simply habits and behaviors that you've got to come to understand are not working in your best interest. And you got to figure out how to get beyond that. And a lot of that is facing the fears, which my, uh, my opinion on this, and I know this for myself, fundamentally it's imagination based. Fear is an emotion and it's predicated on what's gonna happen in the future, not what's happening right now. So unless you have empirical evidence, you're making stuff up, pure and simple. So Definitely. how can you change the story? Because that's the other piece of this. What's the stories you're telling yourself? Because a lot of them are bullshit. <laughs> Very well said. And so like kind of coming back as well to, you know, obviously to have that truth, right? Because at the end of the day, like you said, is that fear. A lot of times people don't want to look at their finances or their business finances or even themselves or, you know, they've had three or four or five divorces or whatever. And it's, you know, there's a common denominator sometimes, right? There's certain people that go through life and it's that fear of, I don't even want to, you know, look at this situation because, well, I'm afraid to actually you know, open up Pandora's box, really. So when you had to check off, you know, alcoholics, child alcoholics, right? And you checked off 12 things, 12 items. I know you kind of breathe, you know, brief, uh, brush through that pretty quickly. But at the end of the day, what did that feel like to have that truth hit you upside the forehead? And, and how did you, did you just for a few days, you're like, nah, this isn't me, whatever, but this, you know, or did you just embrace it and say, wow, I really need a change. I'd like to, you know, kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I still remember the workshop to this day, and I ended up working with a therapist who was giving the workshop for 10 years. So go figure. As soon as we were done, I was like, I need to hire you because I got some serious <laughs> problems. So, um, you know, but I do remember looking at that list. And as I was going through it, thinking, check, check, check. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, I didn't want to put, you know, hang the whole thing on my father's alcoholism and his abuse and all the rest of it, wow. but it sure had a serious impact on how I was living my life. And mm -hmm. at that point, I'm in California, so I'm a long way from home at, at that stage of the game. Uh, and as I say, I was in my, my probably mid-30s uh, at this point so uh it was a it was an awakening you know and i think this we talk about these aha moments that really stuck out for me as an aha moment it was like oh my god 
I think you better get your shit together, girl. Um, and again, from the point of view of if you've got children, um, it's really important that you take care of your crap because that crap is just going to keep getting passed on from generation to generation. Wow. And I'll tell you that journey and you're all about the journey. When I look at my kids now and I've got four adults in my life, the youngest is coming up on 31 and the oldest is 46. So when I look at them and I look at the stories of, of their journeys and I was an instrumental part in that, they're all reasonably healthy individuals at this point in time. Uh, and I'm very proud of the fact that in one generation, I've gone from when I came from poverty and abuse and alcoholism and all the rest of it to creating a healthy family. But the, the core of that was I needed to do my work. I needed to do the work so that these human beings would have a better opportunity as they go forward. Now, that's not saying that they don't have their stuff because they do. And do they have their stuff around their mother? Yeah, probably, you know, because my behavior and when they were young wasn't exactly the best. But um, at this stage of the game, you know, there's, there's a real homogenous family. We like each other. We spend time with each other. We talk to each other. Uh, even my son, who I left when he was three and a half, I talked to him every weekend, you know, Thank and you. we have a great relationship. He's got a five-year-old daughter. It's wonderful, you know, but I look at all of that and I think, how did I get from there to here? Mm -hmm. And that journey was all about the stages of transformation. At one point I said, and, and this was in therapy, and I use this in my keynote speech, imagine standing in a, in a black box the walls are smoked peeling charred and you realize that you can't get out but there's a window high up on the wall that's got a stamp of light in it but you've got no ladder to get there and that black box for me was fear and I was trapped in it for years and what I realized was that the charred walls was my fire that had been extinguished by the circumstances of my life because I think I came into this world, and I'm feeling a bit emotional about this, but I think I came into this world to experience everything that I did so that I get to this point and I can share that wisdom yeah. with others. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for just being very vulnerable. I could tell just from, from talking a little bit, just to see that you really just, you know, like you said, that, that that's why it's so impactful. And that's why you want to make an impact in so many women's lives. And now I, I love what you were saying specifically, Jacqueline, like you said, like so many people think about giving, you know, once we die, right, giving, you know, building a fortune. So then you can give that to the, the next generation, right? But also you look at not only just financial, but also personalities, right? We all come in and, and you, you think about like health-wise, like some people, some families, they, they have, you know, pancreatic cancer sometimes, or maybe heart disease or something like that that runs through your, your family genetically. And I love what you were saying, you as an individual, you have certain personality traits that have to be stopped with you. And then what I love what you said as well, a little bit further, and sometimes people don't do it for themselves, but they will do it for their kids. And if you kind of posture it and have that different perspective, that almost allows you to say, hey, the reason why I'm going to look at the fear and you know embrace that fear and, 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 and work through that fear of whatever that is, that personality or whatever it may be, that allows me because I'm doing it for my kids because I, it has to stop with me, right? And I thought that was just a really, really cool what you, what you said there. Now, let's talk a little bit about fear. Like, Obviously, you're an expert at that, right? And really allowing people to embrace it, but also 
really working through it in an unconscious but also a conscious way. Do you think fear can also not just be a limiting factor, but also can be a motivator if postured correctly? Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, I asked the question, why does fear matter to our success? And the, the question is, is very obvious because it's either a driver or a barricade. In a lot of people's lives, it's a barricade. You know, they don't take the next step because my whole understanding of this is being fearless is not the absence of fear. Fear is normal. It's like being angry, being sad, whatever other emotion you want to put on there that might be in slightly negative, but it's taken the courage to take the next step. And that's where people get into the barricade. They don't have the courage to take the next step because the next step looks like it's huge. The next step looks like, you know, I've, I've got a leap off the cliff kind of thing. But what we find frequently is that next step can be minuscule. It can just be simply something you did a little differently that allows you to show up differently. Um, and so when we look at fear primarily, fear is, is our, our alarm bell going off. It's, it's that piece that says you need to stretch. There's a place to grow here. There's something here that you're allowing to block your way. So are you prepared to be comfortable or be comfortable being uncomfortable? Because being comfortable being uncomfortable is about how we change. And we all have areas that we can totally do better on. And to your point that you made earlier, you know, the journey I made was for my children, but it was also for me because I wanted to allow me out of that black box. I wanted to allow me to really show up and become who I thought that I could be. I mean, you know, as a child, as I said earlier, I wanted to be a singer, I wanted to be a writer, I wanted to travel the world. I have done all of that. But in order for me to have done that, I had to take some serious risks along the way that it may or may not work out. I mean, I lived in the United States for years without a, a green card and, you know, just kind of fudging the system. And, you know, that was, and I'm being totally transparent about it because right now I'm legal, so I don't care. <laughs> but, um, you know, in the early days, yeah, I was, you know, living on that edge all the time. Every time I came back in the country, it was like, are they going to let me in again? You know, and of course they did. So, you know, here I am, but my kids were born here and uh, I've got two kids who are born here. So yeah, there you are. But, you know, so I'm, I'm an immigrant story in a way. It's kind of funny to say, given that I'm, you know, privileged white woman, but uh, it is somewhat of an immigrant story of arriving with nothing and, and, making a life. That's really it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And just obviously the, the struggle, the frustration, but obviously kind of where you're at, like you said, the serendipities, right? Of how now you have this peace in your family, this peace in yourself. And it's just like, wow, this just, you know, it's just serendipitous, you know, and that's just awesome to see that. And now also let's talk a little bit more, kind of like you said, the, the fear. Now um, I, I think some people that are listening, you know, they, they have this unconscious thing. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't face fear or I'm very, you know, whatever I'm an, uh, you know, a high achiever. I just go, go, go. But also, um, the, and I, I always look at this in, in, in business, right? A lot of our, our audience, they're A, they're, they're A achievers, they're very successful in their business life. But then when they, once they get out of that, whether it's personal, spiritual, relational with their wife, their other family members, whatever it may be, it's almost like they don't know how to interact. And so, uh, and I'm not saying they don't know, but it's just that they don't know how to grow that, that side of them, right? And there, there might be fear, right? Whatever it may be. So what I'm just curious is, 
the unconscious side of things, Jacqueline. Uh, like you said, you had to come to grips with certain things that were in your past. And obviously you had to have a therapy that came alongside you to direct that. So what did that journey look like for you and for those that have that unconscious thing that they're dealing with, but they don't know what it is? What, 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 do, you, what do you say to them? Yeah, um, I mean, there's there is an awful lot of the unconscious, and and you know, a lot of it is is the discomfort of of having to acknowledge it. You know, if if I, you know, people would say to me, "Why are you playing so small?" and I'd go, "I'm not playing small. I'm stepping up. I've got it going on." Uh, and then, of course, the self-doubt would be in the background about, yeah, right, you know, you really are doing that. So the, 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 the unconscious part, how do you make that conscious? That's the, the question. How do I make my unconscious conscious? Well, you can't do it on your own. I'll be honest with you. You need a sounding board. You know, when you put out your stories, I do this with my clients. They'll tell me a story and I'll go, is that the real story? Is that the true story? Uh, do you have evidence that, you know, you're, this is really how you're feeling, you know, you're not good enough, you're not capable, you're not, you're not, you're not, you know, and we put labels on our stuff, you know, I'm feeling anxious, and, you know, I'm, I'm uncertain, I'm this and that, we can definitely go with that, but then you have to dig deeper, and you have to ask yourself, what's that about? Why does that matter? What is it doing for you? You have to ask these really hard questions. So in each of my books, the Fearless Factor books, at every at end of every chapter, there's a series of questions that I ask you to self-reflect on because here's the piece for a lot of people. They don't self-reflect. They don't sit down and think about how can I be different? How can I do things differently? How is this impacting other people? How am I keeping myself from achieving the things that I really say I want to achieve, but I'm more into wishful thinking than actually taking actions around it. Um, you know, I don't apply the discipline necessary or the focus necessary to, to make that next leap. And why, when we do take that on, when we do ask ourselves the hard questions, when we do give ourselves a time to really open things up, and yeah, it is a Pandora's box. It's like a lot of people go, oh, I don't want to go there. There's, you know, just open that box up and I, um, yeah, that's going to be really nasty, really messy. Because we have this understanding of ourselves that may not be the truth of who we are. You know, how many people have said, well, if I go down that road, I'll find out how bad I really am. Well, why start with that point? You know? Mm -hmm. If you go down that road, maybe you'll find out that you're much better than you think you are. Whoa, what a change of scenery that would be, you know? It's like when I, you know, opening of my Fearless Factor book, I see there's three women standing at the entrance to a jungle and they're looking down this path and they're going, you know, if we take this journey at the other end of this, there's gonna be so many great things happen. We're gonna be really transformed and it's gonna be wonderful. And then I say, how many of them took the journey? None. None. Because there was no guarantees. There was no certainty. Could meet a lot of wild animals. You could find yourself, you know, walking into a trap. Whatever the case may be, risk factor. You got to be willing to risk. Respect mm -hmm. your intentions and show courage. That's my acronym for risk. Respect your intentions and show courage. Because if you don't, you won't take that next step. Very simple. Wow. 
Wow, so so powerful. My gosh, Jacqueline, I'm, I'm getting juiced because I love what you're saying 100% because it's so, so true. And just like you said, it's like, okay, hey, yes, you, you're, you're going to have risk and embrace that risk because there's also going to be that growth, that potential growth. And, you know, I'm, I'm, and just to kind of share with you, you know, my story a little bit, I, I, I'm one of those individuals that I lie and I lie just almost, uh, you know, just very, very fluently. And it's not that, and I had to work through that for, for a, a very long period of my time, uh, because obviously I'm more optimistic. And when I'm saying that is, is, oh yeah, I, I position myself almost like I'm better than I am. And then I started realizing, why do I do that? Right. Asking the right questions. Why do I do this? Why am I doing this? Right. And then what I love, what you said is in each one of those um, chapters of your book, you're actually allowing people to self-reflect and really, really dive in and say, ask those right questions and really spin. Don't, don't just rush through the book and say, okay, I, I read it. No, sit there and really entertain and say, okay, you know, how do I engage? How do I get the most out of this book? And really ask those questions, really spend some time on that because, you know, those questions that Jacqueline, you, you have in that book, it's to better people's lives, right? To better empower yeah. themselves, which is awesome. So tell me a little bit, obviously, with with fear, okay? Uh, a little bit more, okay? So we have the unconscious side of things, but also the conscious, right? Uh, I know people, I know that's where anxiety, stress, you play the future out too far ahead, okay? And and it's it's all these, these things that could go wrong. And like you said, to embrace... Yes, there could things could go wrong, but also embrace, hey, the, the power and the optimistic side as well. Uh, and it's just perspective change. So, you know, kind of talk a little bit more about that as well. I'd love to hear that. So if we think about the energy that it takes to create a vision for the future, which is really what we're talking about here. You have two options. You can go negative or you can go positive. Now, the brain doesn't understand the difference between negative and positive. The brain just takes in the messages. And if you repeat that message often enough, then that becomes your reality. You know, yeah, life's going to be miserable, so let's make it so. You know, I understood that one. I, I did that for a long time. Um, but if I think the, that the future is going to be amazing, that I am striving for something different, that I am pushing the envelope beyond my comfort zone at this point in time. And I'm totally transparent. I am pushing mine all the way out at this point. And I, you know, like I'm going for it. And in a way that I've never gone for it before, you know? So if you're an individual who thinks along those lines, it's like, wow, that is scarier than shit. And I really don't know if I can do this or not. And the answer is, well, you won't know till you try. But you've got to have that positive vision of, yeah, there's where I want to be. And that's what I think I'm capable of becoming. And I may not become that overnight. But if I diligently show up every day and I take actions and I continue to think positively, then it's amazing what happens. We've all had those experiences in our lives where you look back and you go, whoa, how did I get here? Well, you got there simply because you believed, number one, that you could get there. Even if it was just minuscule belief, you still had a glimmer of it right there. And you took the actions that were necessary. And, and at times you stepped into stuff that didn't quite work out. But what did you do? You got up and you tried it again. Because that brings us to the fear of failure, which is another reason why people don't you know, move themselves forward. What if I fail? Well, what if you do? Failure is not the end of the road. You know, the biggest failure is, of course, as we know, the failure to try. But here's the other thing about failure. 
failure is simply a choice, an expectation, a decision that did not go the way you had planned. Did it kill you? No. Can it be resolved? Most of the time. And if it can't be resolved, move on because life's too short. <laughs> so, you know, the piece about failure when people go, oh, I'm afraid of failing. Okay, great. How many times have you failed in your life? A lot. Uh-huh. And then what happened? Well, I picked myself up and I made a different decision. I took a different route. Uh, I chalked it up to experience. Yes, yes, yes. And so what is the one word you use when you're talking about failure? Next. Because that's really all it is. Next. That didn't work. You know, I'm, I'm a solopreneur. I've lived my life by the seat of my pants my entire life. And I'm still doing it to some degree. Well, I'm a wee bit smarter about how I do it than I used to do it in the past. But if you're an entrepreneur, you understand that one really well because everything's a risk. There's no certainty involved here. In fact, the only certainty is that you're going out the door in a pine box eventually. Done, you know. But other than that, there's a lot of choices in life. You know, you can choose. Carl Jung said this. You can choose who you want to become. I chose who I wanted to become. I'm being it right now, right here, this second. But the other thing about fear is if you don't have empirical evidence that it's true, you're making up a story. And we're all master storytellers. We all know how to spin the stories on ourselves. So tell yourself a different story and start to build that story as a reality, which is you know something I know a little bit about. Build that reality, believe it. Believe that you can become the person you want to be. Because so many of us are not even scratching the surface of our potential. We're just mm -hmm. going along to get along. And if you're happy yeah. just going along to get along, that's great. But if you've got a spark of dynamism in you, and I had more than my share of them, uh, then you want to create a life that you can look back on and go, yeah, that's pretty good. Because I tell my kids when I'm dead, if you're going to put up any kind of stone, you say she gave it her best shot. End of story. It's not about what I've written and what I've done so far. I just gave it my best shot. That's all any of us can do. Definitely, definitely. Now, tell me a little bit more, kind of like, because I love what you said there with, with specifically the story as well, right? People tell stories in their own head, right? Whether it's negative, whether it's positive, whatever the situation is. And some people, they, you know, like myself, I am more optimistic in that in that sense where I can tell a really good story in my head. But also, I do know that some people they they have this negative, like, oh, and and, and I think Brene Brown talks about this as well, where I'm shameful, I'm a failure, right? And it's not this thing I failed at, this thing, you know, I'm I'm, I'm ashamed at what I did, but it, I am ashamed. I am, I'm a failure, right? And it's, it's really being able to take that, that burden off yourself. Now, I guess my question is, is when there people are telling stories about themselves, right? Um, you know, again, like one of the things I have to visualize every day is breaking the old Christian Evans, the, the, the weak, the whatever, to building the new Christian D Evans, right? The, the individual that I know I can become the individual and also um, really saying, okay, I've run a seven figure business. Wonderful. How do I take an eight figure business, a nine figure business? Because you cannot be the same person that you are now that you need to be in order to run an eight, nine figure, uh, as well as being the best husband, being the best individual, being the best father, whatever it is, right? Whatever that may be. So I guess my question to you, Jacqueline is, you know, um, what does that look like? What, what stories do people tell? Is it, is it that they're, they're kind of lying to themselves a little bit saying, well, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I know I will be, or is it saying, Hey, you know what? I know I can become it and having that high self image in there and themselves. 
Yeah, uh, that kind of story of, of you know, I, I'm not there yet, but I know that I can, that is about changing the reality. You know, if, if you believe that you can, and even if there's some self-doubt there, but, you know, the little voice that goes, yeah, right, you know, we all have that, yeah, right, head, you know, at, at times. But when you're creating a story of the future, creating a story of who you wish to become, then why not create the best version of who that is? You know, if I look at, you know, I want to be sharing my message with millions of, of people, because I think it's an important message. And to do that, I need to be talking to you and I need to be talking on, you know, bigger stages and I need to, to do a TED talk, which is on my bucket list for, for next year. Um, you know, there are ways in which I can think about how can I bring the entirety of who I am to the world, if that's what you want to do. Now, some people don't want to do that. I mean, I get it. You know, it's like, I'm not interested in the world stage. I'm not interested in making a big deal out of myself, but I will, I will contribute to my family, my community, and I will make a difference in that small way. But be clear about what it is that you think you really want out of life. I mean, I've been a dreamer all my life, and I always saw some kind of you know, big stage out there. And it took me a long, long time to to have the courage to say the hell with it. You know, I take me as, as I am. I don't really care. I'm not trying to fit anybody else's mold. And, and I think that's another big piece of it. You know, can I take true ownership of me with all my flaws? Because we're all imperfect human beings, um, but also the incredible strengths that I've been gifted as a result of the life I've led and as a result of my mindset, because everything about us is all about mindset and behavior. And, you know, if you can check in with yourself, is this, does this resonate really for me? And if there's any doubt about it, then, you know, use a sounding board, coaches or otherwise, but definitely checking in with yourself becomes that big piece. And I might be going a little bit off tack here with that question, but I'm, I'm just saying about the future is yours to create whatever you want. That's it. Yeah. What do you want? That makes perfect sense because like, I think Tim Grover, and just like you said, they, they asked themselves, you have to identify what winning is to you, right? Uh, you can't, you can't compare yourself to, you know, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or, or Elon Musk, you know, because their, their winning is different. You have to identify what is winning to you and get a very clear vision of that. And I love what you just said, because then, then if you, because as much as you focus on fear and, oh gosh, what if I fail? All my friends are going to laugh at me, all this to, to visualize, okay, well, what if I succeed? What if I produce? How is my marriage going to be blossom? How is my, my wife or my my husband's going to look at me differently. How all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I make, and I can, you know, uh, write a million dollar check and impact the church or impact a community or all sorts of stuff, right? You start realizing, well, shoot, that's what the, that's what, you know, it's, it's fear is holding you back from that. Now, also, I want to kind of talk a little bit about this, this next question, because see, you know, I, I, a lot of entrepreneurs that we, that we partner with and that are listening to this podcast, they do very well for themselves, but they sometimes get in a point where, Okay, I'm making twenty, thirty thousand dollars in e-commerce or affiliate marketing or whatever it may be in my, in my business uh, a month, and, and they do okay. But then also it's this fear of moving to the next level because what if I lose it all? What if I make a wrong decision? And it's like, should I just stay here because I'm okay right now, or should I move? Or what does that look like? I guess to 
do they jump all in? Just like you said, embrace the fear and jump all in, uh, but also having that risk factor as well, saying, okay, well, maybe should I take 10% and and risk, you know, uh, to a to a new adventure or something like that? What what does that look like to help entrepreneurs? Because you, you don't want to go all in hundred percent into something. So I'd love to hear your response. Well, you know, it, you have to look at it in terms of the long game. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of the work of Dory Clark and and she's got a new book out uh, called The Long Game. And it's really all about, you know, what are you willing to 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 do in terms of the small, she calls them raindrops, you know, the small steps. It's the same thing I talk about, the small steps that move you forward. So for instance, if you're making $20,000 a month and you're thinking, you know, I'd really like to push this out, why isn't the first question. Why, if you're happy with that. Now, if you think I can play a bigger game, but I'm not playing a bigger game, then you have to again ask yourself, so what's that about for you? Now, let's say you're making $20,000 a month and you've got an excess capital in the bank of, you know, I don't know, half a million dollars. Let's just throw that number there. Okay, so how long do you think it's going to take you to play the next level of your game, knowing that you've got a cushion there and it might go down? So it be it, you know, um, but you're going to build it up to even more. So you have to, it's a gamble, you know, I mean, anything along those lines is a gamble, you know, I'm just, I'm going to trust, and that's a big word here. I'm going to trust that I know what I'm doing. And if I don't know what I'm doing, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Because that's the one thing about successful entrepreneurs. They're real good at figuring things out, but they're also good about taking risks. And they're also about good about, yeah, there's no guarantee today. So when you're looking for a guarantee, forget it. It don't exist. You know, the only thing that you can consistently say is that there's no guarantee. Things are always uncertain and we deal with it. So, you know, again, I would, I would plot it out. You know, why are you going there? I want to make more money. Terrific. So you might have to lose a little bit of money while you figure out how to make more money. Isn't that the way it goes? You know, how many people have put themselves in debt knowing that they had a bigger vision, but they couldn't afford it and sat there going, I can't afford it. God knows I played that game too. You know, can't afford those services, can't afford to take that program, blah, blah, blah. But if I do that, how much further will I get? So it's a crapshoot. You know, you have to put it out there and trust and have faith. And that's another big one. Have faith that whatever you're doing is going to get you the results you're looking for. So I don't believe in sitting in the, the you know, sitting in the status quo. It's boring. You know, I mean, you know, we're risk takers. So if I was just playing the safe game, yeah, I might have stayed in Scotland. Hell no. <laughs> no, not for a moment. <laughs> Awesome. 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 Well, I think that's really, really valuable for my audience because I, I know many of them, I've talked to numerous of them uh, and some of them are clients of ours that, you know, they're in this situation where, like you said, the status quo, right? And and they do okay. But like you said, you have to ask those questions of themselves to say, okay, well, can I and should I? And if there is, then build some rules that say, okay, you know what? I'm going to spend $50,000 or $70,000 into this project. And if it doesn't produce anything, then I'm going to quit. I'm going to walk away and, and then stick with what I got. You know, there's, there's, there's that risk, right? But it's also not blowing all your chips all at once, right? Uh, kind of concept. So I think that's that's really, really awesome. So tell me, obviously, okay, you know, a little bit more about your book, okay? And, and the individuals that, you know, 
that, that they get the most out of the book and how do they get the most out of the book, right? Because, you know, I see, I see so many people, they read a book a week. Wonderful. But what did you implement, right? So I love to ask, you know, how can you take your book and really implement that in your life uh, and for, for myself and, and for our audience? Well, it's very simple. You know, we all do the, you know, the, the self-development books, the business books, and they'll give you exercises to do and you read it and you go, yeah, yeah, I'll do that later. You know, I just, I'm just interested in what else they got to say. And so yeah. you skip over all the exercises and then you go, well, that was nice. Yep. And you close the book and that's it. You're done. So, you know, either you, you take the book as it was meant to be, which is read a chapter and take some time to answer the questions you know, and you t- and built, start a journal, start a journal, because if you start answering these questions that are in my books, both of them, then you start to get a real handle on where am I holding myself back? What is the things that I believe in that may not be true? What is the visions that I'm having that I think I'm capable of, but for some reason, I'm, you know, shying away from it because someone else told me that I wasn't capable or someone else told me that that was a pipe dream or, or I, I somehow feel that, you know, I might fail at all of this. These are, these are the dialogues that go on in our head, but take the time to answer those questions questions and any of those books that you're reading where they're asking and you're reading them for a reason by the way you're reading them because you're looking for some answers but you won't find it just in the yada yada dialogue that's in there they'll find them in yourself because like I like to say I'm not giving you any answers all I'm giving you is the questions that you find the answers to because you already know what the answers are you just have to dig a bit deeper to find them that is so true. And so, yeah, because because like, let's walk into that a little bit, because, you know, to look back, we always love, you know, definitely as entrepreneurs, we love to look forward. This is the future. This is what's going on. Who cares what, what happened behind us? But sometimes as an entrepreneur and as people, we have to look backwards into our story. And I, I just let's talk a little bit about yourself and your story, Jacqueline, you know, obviously dealing with your father and, and that whole situation. And, you know, how did you or what did you do? And what did that look like to to look back? And embrace those stories and asking the right questions. I know you had a therapist that that kind of helped you through that a little bit. Uh, was that the main individual that came alongside you to help you through that, or no. was it yourself as well? What did that look like? There, there, it was a combination. You know, I mean, you you have to have the drive yourself to want to reveal and, and unearth the stuff that's going on. I mean, one of the things that I learned. I wrote a novel called When the Crow Sings. Uh, it's a semi-autobiographical novel set in Scotland, dealing with three generations of women giving birth to children outside of marriage. And I tell the story of my grandmother, my mother, and myself. And it culminates in the ability to give a child up for adoption. And a lot of the stories in that book are true. Uh, they were based on family history. It takes place between the years 1914 and 1992. And it's the story of a woman who's dying of breast cancer and uh, has written the story of her family and asks an elderly aunt to take this manuscript to the child she gave up for adoption who currently lives in Los Angeles. And this old woman who's you know old, she's probably about my age or a little bit older. Uh, she takes a journey from Scotland to Los Angeles, never been on a plane before. And she's reading the manuscript of the history of her family. 
and uh, it's it's a transformational journey that takes place for both the the story itself and for the the woman who's reading this, and then of course delivery to the the child or the the young woman in Los Angeles, um, and you know the journey that was taken. So. You know, I'm all about journeys. I mean, I've just, I'd have a keynote that is the hero's journey. You know, it's all about what are the journeys that we all take, which is why I love the name of your show, because it, it is, we are all on a journey. And, and what are we learning in that journey? What are we revealing in that journey? And who are we becoming in that journey? That That's really the big pieces of this. So when you start to question what you're doing, when you start to question your reality, when you start to question the path you're on and think that there might be something else available to you, then follow the breadcrumbs and see where they lead. So the book, When the Crow Sings, when I wrote it, was very cathartic for me because I was telling my mother's story. Grandmother's story was a bit fictionalized because I didn't really know her very well. Uh, and then I told my story. And it's it's full of the, the struggles of working class women who were just trying to keep showing up, but kept having babies because they were, you know, like myself, stupid enough to believe that they were impervious to whatever and bingo there you go I mean I didn't even know who the father was for my first child um and so so it goes you know um so again we make mistakes we figure out how to get beyond them and we carry on and we create a different story and to your point that you asked earlier one of the things I learned in my process was forgiveness Forgiveness is huge. Self-forgiveness and forgiveness of others. And when I got to a place where I could actually look at my father and the story of my father, I realized I was dealing with a man who was incredibly disappointed with life. And he was rageful and uh, really felt like life had handed him a shitload of stuff. And it, it did, for sure. Uh, but he he drowned himself in alcohol uh, in order to block the anger and the frustration and the disappointment out. And I was, you know, one of the recipients. I wasn't the only one, but I was one of the recipients. So I have to forgive him for that because he's a human being, you know. And I'm not going to carry that. But too many people carry those stories. You talk about going and looking at the past. What are the stories you're carrying with you? about whether you're a victim or whether you're, you know, somebody else is to blame for your unhappiness, change it. Yeah. Change the yeah. story that you keep telling yourself because that's the story that keeps you small. That's the story that keeps you playing in a very small pool when you're capable of so much more. And I, I learned that for myself. As I said, it wasn't an easy road, but find the people who can help you break down those barricades that you've built for yourself. That's unbelievable. And and I'd love to make a parallel real quick with, with your dad, uh, you know, obviously him using alcohol as his out instead of embracing, you know, what he was going through, right. Being able to look back and, you know, self-analyze. And I know, you know, obviously your dad in that circumstance was using alcohol, but some people use work as that out. Yeah. Right. And, and some people use, you know, uh, um, addictions and other, other, other forms 
so that they don't have to look at themselves, right? Um, and so I, I think I love how you just had that, what you just mentioned. And and also I'd like to talk about something, one word that you mentioned about forgiveness. Um, I, I've known that, you know, it, it was, I could imagine, uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more on this, but what did that look like? And how long did it take you to say, okay, Jacqueline, I, f- I forgive. And I forgive my dad. I forgive this person. I forgive, you know, what I had to go through. I forgive myself. What, what did that look like? And how long did it take you to, to embrace that, that forgiveness yourself? And what does that mean for you? If I was to put a, a, a time thing on it, I would say years, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to go through an awful lot of not only mental therapy, but I went through a tremendous amount of physical therapy. Um, you know, you know about uh, deep tissue work, for instance, um, and there is uh, some body work called Traeger, and it's, it should be called Trigger, because what it does is it pushes through all the barriers. The first time I had a massage, the woman put her hands on my back and she said, you're like an armadillo, you are solid. And it was, it was purely about protection. Because fear is also held in our bodies. You know, when we think about, you know, shoulders being up, rounded yeah. back, protected, you know, there's there's that whole physical side. Constipation. I was constipated for years. That's your nervous system holding on to whatever it is. So the whole thing about fear is this this tremendous need to keep everything held in. And so when you start to release, and I did through physical therapy, um, it's an extraordinary painful journey to go through that. Um, and, you know, he would get me off the table at times and he would give me a, a, a baseball um, bat and a bunch of cushions. And he would say, I need you to get angry. I need you to get this out of you. So it became a whole physical act as well as a mental act. People think it's just a mental thing. It's not, it's in your body. And you have to find a way to get it out of your body. When I took up martial arts when I was 43 years old, I felt like a duck to water. I, it was like I'd come home to having that physical outlet. And it became my meditation. And I would say this to people, karate is my, my meditation. And they would look at me like I was stupid. You know, it's like, you tell people you got a black belt in karate and they go, oh, I have to watch out for you. It's like, get over yourself, will you? You know, because the whole thing of it is, it was the repetition, the discipline, the focus, the commitment, all of that stuff is what helped me really keep moving through this. So, you know, as I said, it's not a simple process, not by any means. When people come to me for coaching and they want to get it fixed in like three months, I go, no, six months minimum, because we're doing behavior change. And behavior change means changing your mindset changing the way you think about yourself, thinking about how you do things, thinking about how you relate to people, thinking about what is it that you really, really want in life. You know, that all takes time to figure it out. So there's no magic bullets. There's no quick fixes. Just do the work. As I said at the beginning of this, just do the work. And that work can be painful. But if you know that on the other side of this, you're healthy, yeah, and I yeah. consider myself a very healthy individual at this point in time. That is worth a fortune. It's worth a fortune. And by the way, when we talked about success earlier, it's not about how much money you've got in the bank, because I could care less about how much money's in the bank. What I do care about is, are you living to the best of your ability? That's a success right there. Doesn't matter how much money's in the bank. Do you have good relationships? 
do you have people in your life that you want there? Because a lot of people have people in their life they don't want there. Do you like to get rid of them? Yeah, make a decision right there. I've felt that way for years. There's nobody in my life I don't want there. But I hear stories all the time of people that, you know, relatives, others, you kind of put up with. So, you know, there's, there's choices being made here. What kind of choices do you want to make for yourself? Well, and, I, and I really appreciate what you said, because see, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of really wanted to dial in, because I, I, I had a feeling that it was, you know, it was years, right? Uh, because you had to work through certain things on the front end and then work through a few more things. And then obviously, then you got to the point where you're like, okay, I can, I can be in that situation. And so, uh, and, and that's what I was hoping for my audience. And I really appreciate you just being vulnerable and sharing that because see, uh, it, it takes years, right? And, yeah. and as you know, definitely, uh, kind of a players, right? Active individuals, entrepreneurs. We like to say, okay, you know what? I, I want a goal of, you know, $50,000 a month in 60 days. Okay. This is what we got to do, 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 do. Right. And, and they have a game plan, right? Plan of action. And so, you know, almost coming back down to, okay, we, we know this is very important. And some people that are listening, they know that they need to, right? So what could be a good plan of action? Because some, some, that's, I just know how they work and I know how they, they operate and you have to have a plan of action. Okay. Then what's going to happen is this. And then, then I'm going to be at this point, but maybe kind of explain to them that maybe it's, it's not so like strategic like that. It's not so yeah, measurable. It's, it's so, not. I mean, I'm smiling here because <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, if you want to get to 50 K yeah, you know that there's certain marketing and there's sales letters and there's, right, you know, right. your audience and your mailing list and blah, blah, blah. These are all, all things you can control. Yeah. What I'm talking about is elements that you really don't know how to control. You've got to take huge risks. I mean, you can take a risk to, you know, raise your, your stakes to 50,000 a month. That's great. You know all the things you're supposed to be doing. And if you do them, there's a good chance you're going to get that. But the same thing is true for any of your mental development of your, your, your it's emotional and spiritual development. That's what we're talking about here. And it is a long game. It is not something that you're going to approach and go, well, if I just do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to get whatever the rewards are. Yeah, you can do that. But the truth of the matter is until you start getting real with yourself, when you start looking at where are the areas, yeah, I can be a great entrepreneur and I can make money hand over fist. I could you know, do that in my sleep. How's your relationships? How's, how's things with your kids? How's things with the people that you say you care about? And mostly, how are you with yourself? Are you good with yourself? Do you think you're a great human being? Do you think you're doing everything you can to make the world a better place? Are you doing everything just simply because you need to make another dollar? And what's the joy in that? You got a bigger house, better car, you can go on vacation more often. Yeah, great. All good stuff. But do you comfortably live with yourself? And if you've got any doubt about that, then it's time to start looking at, uh, you know, lift up the hood of the car and let's find out what's driving the engine. That's a question right there. That's, that's beautiful. Uh, beautiful. I really appreciate that answer because I just know how, how these individuals think. And I know that obviously some of them, they want that measurable, but it's like, hey, it, it's going to be a process and, and embrace that. And, and one of the things, you know, I, I would even suggest, because as, as you were thinking, you know, as you were talking, I was like, wow, this is, this is a good idea where, hey, you, you take Jacqueline's book here and, and you know, you, you read it. 
you answer those questions and maybe take four weeks to answer, you know, each chapter or whatever it may be, or, or six weeks or whatever it may be, and then come back in another six weeks or 10 weeks and then ask the same questions and, and be able to self-analyze and say, where am I at right now? Um, because those questions are, correct me if I'm wrong, they're concrete. They'll never change, but questions that you can ask at different points in your life, because at different points in your life, you're at just your your growth and so forth. At different points in your life, you know, I mean, you know, the way that I would answer a lot of the questions that I was presented with, you know, all these years ago, they're very different now. I mean, I created a 12 module program years ago that was designed to take people through their their fear, their self-awareness, their trust issues, their communication issues, their time management issues. You know, it was 12 weeks and I, I presented it as a 12 week course. And the first cohort said to me, uh, this would be better off as a year long course. because <laughs> It's just it's very intense. <laughs> and I, you know, I had to take a step back and go, you know, you're right. It is pretty intense. Having already made that journey, you know, it was like easy for me yeah. to write it out. But, you know, for the individual who's approaching it for the first time, Take your time over this stuff. You know, it's, it's as I said, there's no, there's no quick fixes here. There's no quick journeys on this stuff. It's just show up and do the work. And you know, there's there's been a lot of teachers before me who have talked about the same thing. Uh, in fact, there's one teacher out there whose name I can't grab hold of at the moment, but she talks about the work. And it's it is it's that deep dive into your psyche, your emotions, your behaviors, um, and how does it go? I mean, I'll give you an example. I work with my clients using 360 assessments on behavior. And I we have it scientifically measured. I work with a company called Human Synergistics. And I can actually tell you from the assessment that I get, it's the 360 feedback, but how you analyze yourself how you see yourself and the behaviors, and it's based on 12 styles of behaviors, is is how you're showing up in the world. And when people are presented with the results of that, it's an eye-opener. It's a complete eye-opener. One person I did a reading for who had lost his wife, I, I literally said to him in the moment after we were talking, I said, you buried your wife, but why did you bury yourself? And he looked at me with astonishment and said, you're right. I said, well, it's here. You know, evidence is right here and it's fear-based. And so many of our behaviors, if they're not in the positive, are are fear-based when we really look at it. Gracious, gracious. Wow. Wow. And I just, Jack, I, I can't explain to you how much I really just appreciate you, uh, you know, joining us, really sharing your expertise and definitely in fear. You know, the last two years, a lot of people have been in fear and they've lived in fear and, and to be able to have an expert like yourself joining us, really sharing uh, your, your, your incredible knowledge to our audience. I really, really appreciate it. Now, how can they reach out to you, Jacqueline, to, uh, to buy your book and as well as just uh, maybe even, you know, speak with you yourself? So you can find all my books are on Amazon. So, uh, you know, just look for The Fearless Factor, The Fearless Factor at Work for the two main books. And uh, my website is easy, JacquelineWales.com. And uh, I would say that for your listeners, if they are interested, I have courses on my website 
And I would suggest that you go take the one on self-awareness. Uh, and I'll give you the code for that, which is JW21, and you can have it for free. So it's on self-awareness. So go check that out. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some questions to answer. There's some videos. And if I can be of help to help you break through the stories and the bullshit that you've got going on, then you know how to reach me, JacquelineWales.com. Wow. Wow. That is just a very, very special guest. And guys, I just want to share with you, that's, that's like a $20,000, $30,000 value that she just gave to you for free. Uh, and really, that that is really awesome. I did not expect that at all. And that's that's really awesome. And, uh, you know, guys, uh, again, Jacqueline, I, I really appreciate your time. And, you know, guys, that is a journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. Until next time. See you then.